0: Like tuberculosis and landlines, slavery seems very much a throwback to another century. But as William Langevisha reports in his stirring dispatch, titled Slaves Without Chains, slavery can still be found in some form all over the world. Indeed, it is estimated that upwards of 20 million people are currently held in bondage. The problem is global, but Langavisha focuses his tale on a single heroic figure. A Dominican friar in Brazil named Xavier Plassat, who for 25 years has been fighting slavery in the Amazon, a great risk to himself, but with considerable success. Plassat's target isn't sex slavery, a global disgrace all its own. Most slaves are ordinary workers, women and men alike, condemned to lives of punishing labor, in diamond mines in parts of Africa, in the fields and jungles of South America in the construction sites of Arabia, in the fishing fleets of Asia. As the New York Times pointed out recently in a remarkable report on human bondage on the high seas, there is a good chance we have all eaten shrimp, caught by slaves. Lassa is not some pious goody-goody with a death wish and no battle plan. Like any good operative, he drinks and smokes and swears. He's a man of the world whose intelligence networks run deep into the jungle. In the remote Amazon where he lives, he gathers reports, confirms them as best he can, and alerts a special Brazilian police force, the Mobile Group, that then raids the plantations and slave camps that exist all over Amazonia. It is dangerous work, and not just for Plassar, who has been repeatedly threatened. As Langevichau writes, at least twelve of his colleagues and more than a thousand associated peasants have been murdered, rarely with legal consequences. One of those colleagues was an American nun, Sister Dorothy Stang, gunned down in 2005. The good news is that some 50,000 men and women have been freed from slavery in Brazil during the past two decades, and these methods could work in other places if governments cared. The bad news is that the economic forces that drive slavery are relentless. Worldwide, the numbers are not going down. One of the great success stories in world literature is The Improbable Saga of Gabriel Garcia Marquez and his novel titled One Hundred Years of Solitude. First published in 1967 in Spanish and in an English translation in 1970, the book has sold 50 million copies in 37 languages. Its author would become the literary superstar known around the world as Gabo. He would go on to win the Nobel Prize. Sit down for conversations with U.S. presidents and influence literary heavyweights from Salman Rushdie to Juno Diaz. But as Paul Eli recounts in Fifty Years of Solitude, before Garcia Marquez was Gabo, he was a struggling journalist bouncing with his family from one city to the next Bogota, Paris, Rome, London, Havana, New York. Then in 1965, he was struck by inspiration the concept for One Hundred Years of Solitude suddenly unfolded in his mind, laid out in its entirety. The book would popularize the idea of magic realism, but before Garcia Marquez had written one word of it, he applied a bit of magic realism to his own life, with the help of a pawn shop. Transforming the family's jewelry, appliances, and such into money, he bought himself eighteen undistracted months. He settled into his study in a rented house in Mexico City with only his cigarettes and Olivetti, and at the end, he emerged with a manuscript. Carmen Balcells, Garcia Marquez's longtime literary agent, told Eli about the first time she met her future client in 1965. During the day, she said, Garcia Marquez showed Carmen and her husband Mexico City. At night, they ate and drank and ate and drank some more. Eventually, and in jest, Garcia Marquez drew up a contract proclaiming Balsells his agent. The terms? Exclusive worldwide representation for the next 120 years. Only 50 years have elapsed, but time is up. Balcells, who died in September at the age of 85, spent her last days meeting with lawyers to prepare her agency for an eventual sale. As of this writing, the disposition remains uncertain. As described by Eli, Garcia Marquez's novel, His Priorities and His Way of Working, represent an antidote to much of what's wrong with the way we live and work. Many a writer would be tempted to rent that house in Mexico City, but now it would probably have to have a decent cell phone signal and Wi-Fi.